Matthew 16, verses 13 through 20, at Caesarea Philippi, um, Jesus asked his disciples, who do men say that I am? Who do they say that I am? And um, some of them give some explanations, and Peter gives the right answer in verse 16. Simon Peter answered and said, thou art the, and what's that word? But what is it? Messiah. Thou art the Messiah. You are the promised one, the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say also unto thee, that thou art Peter, and upon this rock, say it with me, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I will build my church. Verse 19, And I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Then charge ye his disciples, they should tell no man that he was Jesus, the Christ, the Messiah. In this passage, we have Jesus, the Son of God, who has come with a stated purpose that he reveals to Peter. His purpose is to build his church. He comes to the cross to build his church. Ephesians 5 says he gives his life for the church, right? Everything that he does then is is within that stated purpose of his promise to build the church. Christ is the rock foundation on which he would build it. And as immovable as Christ is, so the church that is built on him will be. This church will be protected by Christ. He says the gates of hell shall not prevail about it. And it will be empowered to be on the offensive. So that even the very gates of hell will not prevail against it. So we have, in Matthew chapter 16, we have the declaration of purpose here. We have the promise, I will build my church. I will build my church. That frames what we're going to look at here this morning. I will build my church. Go with me over to Matthew chapter 28. Matthew chapter 28. Matthew chapter 28. He gives the process of how he will build his church to his disciples, his apostles. He delegates that to his apostles. Matthew 28, verse 16 through 20. Then the eleven disciples went into Galilee, away into Galilee, into a mountain where Jesus had appointed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came, on the, on, the, on the heels of some doubting, Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power, it's the word there for authority, authority, is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore, and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Teaching what? Teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. These words to the apostles before Jesus' ascension unpack the process of how Jesus delegated this building of the church. The apostles were to go to the nations to make disciples that they were to baptize and teach all he had commanded to. It's a little difficult to see it in the English, but in the original language, verse 19, the main verb there is make disciples, which is translated in your King James uh, translation there, teach, 
teach. I looked at the Greek lexicon and it means to make disciples. It's the word where we get the word disciple. Mathetes is the root word. Uh, and just about every, trans, every translation that I looked at, as you, one of the things you need to do in your Bible studies is to compare other translations, uh, uh, translates it as make disciples. Make disciples. That is the main uh, word that everything else is linked to, okay? Everything else is what is called a participle that links to that. So when Jesus says, go ye therefore, sometimes in our English we think that is the, uh, that is the main verb. But no, it's actually teach all nations, make disciples all the nations. Everything, under, everything else, the going, the baptizing, and the teaching in verse 20, all connects to that phrase, make disciples. That command, that is the command. It's in the imperative. And so go isn't the command, it describes the command of making disciples. The emphasis is on the command to make disciples. And the idea of go is actually as you are going. As you are going to the nations. So everything hinges off make disciples. So so the idea is make disciples as you are going, baptizing them and teaching them to obey Christ's commands. Which I would add here would also include the command to make disciples. So make disciples by going, by baptizing, and by teaching them what I've told you. Why is that important? Well, that making disciples includes two things. And here's the genius of it. Notice Jesus doesn't say make converts. Make converts. He says make disciples. Later on in another passage he says a fully formed disciple is like his master, is like his teacher. So make followers of Jesus Christ. Committed followers of Jesus Christ. Make disciples. Make disciples means two things. Evangelizing and edifying. Seeing people converted to Christ, regenerated, and building them up in the faith. Edifying. Make disciples. It's an ingenious word there. And then he says, when, they're make, when, you, when you make disciples, they need to be baptized in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost. And they need to be teach, taught to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And then he gives his promise. They're, they were to be baptized, water baptized. pictures the baptism of the Spirit that identifies a disciple as purchased by the Trinity and joined into the Godhead here in fellowship, placed into the New Testament church. And teaching them to observe, to obey. Not teaching them so they have more information, but teaching them so they obey. So they obey the words of Jesus Christ. And so, uh, we got to ask ourselves, well, how does that then flesh out? How does that flesh out? Um, how is that connected to Jesus' words in Matthew 16, I will build my church? Well, I'd like you to go to Acts chapter 1 now. Acts chapter 1. This is a task that is not something that we do in our own power. Acts chapter 1 tells us this is something that happens through the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Acts chapter 1. Verse 1. The former treatise that I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach. Luke's talking to Theophilus, he's referring back to the book of Luke. Until the day in which he was taken up, ascended, 
After that, he, through the Holy Ghost, had given commands unto the apostles whom he had chosen. To whom also he showed himself alive after his passion or suffering, by many infallible proofs, being seen of them forty days, and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. And being assembled together with them, and you can see this at the end of Luke, Luke 24, 44 through 49, with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, ye have heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days hence. When they therefore were come together, they asked them, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom of Israel? And he said unto them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power, but ye shall receive power when, after that the Holy Spirit, Holy Ghost, has come upon you, result, Ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria, and to the uttermost part of the earth. And when he had spoken these things, with, while they beheld, he was taken up, and a cloud received them out of their sight. Here's what you need to know. In Luke, the end of Luke, God gives a charge to the apostles to preach the forgiveness of sins, and he shows how that's part of the fulfillment of the law, the Psalms, and the Prophets. How the Old Testament is tied to the New Testament here. And God's eternal redemptive plan that began with the promise of a Redeemer and continues with the display of His glory in the church that He builds in the unfolding plan of God. And the second volume of Luke's writing, the book of Acts, unpacks this catalyst, a person, who is uh, going to uh, build the church through the message of the Gospel. The Spirit empowers the apostles to be the witnesses of Christ as the message is spread across the, uh, to the unreached world. And there's no building of the church through the witnesses of His followers without the empowering and dwelling presence of the Spirit on them. Now, here's what's interesting. Does this happen in the book of Acts? It does. And that's what Luke tries to show us in the book of Acts. What's interesting is Luke describes this promise of Christ building his church happening through people who are empowered by the Holy Spirit. What's interesting, as you study the book of Acts, is there seems to be six summary statements of the book of Acts. Six summary statements. And really, it seems like there are six long chapters. We have 28 or so uh, chapters um, that have been divided up about 1,300 uh, A.D. or so. But when Luke wrote this, it seems that there are six sections. We could say six panels. And the first panel talks about the church in Jerusalem from Acts chapter 1, verse 1, and goes through Acts chapter 6, verse 7. And after, the, the, after Paul includes the information about the church in Jerusalem, in Acts chapter 6 and verse 7, Luke has this summary statement of everything that happened up to that point. He says this, And the word of God increased, and the number of the disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly. And the great company of the priests were obedient to the faith. Do you catch the, the words there? Increased, multiplied, greatly, great company. Something happened there that shook the city of Jerusalem. Alright? The second panel is in Acts chapter 6, verse 8, to Acts chapter 9, verse 31. 
at the end of that part, which is about the church in Judea and Samaria. Samaria, you might know from a little Bible background study, is half Gentile, half Jewish people. So the gospel is expanding beyond the Jews to now half Jews and half Gentile people. In chapter 9, verse 31, it says this. Then had the churches rest, or peace, throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria, and were edified. They were built up. And walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit were multiplied. The gospel is advancing. Jesus is building his church here through his people who dwelt with the Holy Spirit. The third panel goes from Acts 9, verse 32 to Acts 12, verse 24. And it's the church and the Gentiles. They're going out of reaching just Jews only, going out, expanding even past reaching the Samaritans, and now going to full, full Gentiles here, which was uh, a, a, a new thing for a young Jewish church. In Acts chapter 12, verse 24, says this. <coughs> Simply, but the word of God grew and multiplied. It grew and multiplied. God's preparing in Antioch a beachhead into the Gentile world from which he will send some pioneering missionaries, Paul and Barnabas, to see the gospel expand. In Acts chapter 12, verse 25, through Acts chapter 16, verse 5, is the fourth panel. And in that fourth panel... The uh, Paul and Barnabas have been sent out, and then they return. The church needs to rethink how are we going to reach Gentiles. We've got to hold on. We've got to cast off some of these things that are hindering us, and we've got to cling to the pure gospel and not attach things to it. And so that's what happens in Acts 15. They restructure to reach Gentiles effectively, and in Acts 16 and verse 5 it says this. And so were the churches established in the faith and increased in number daily. The fifth panel goes from chapter 16, verse 6 to 19, verse 20. And in that passage there, Paul returns and he uh, uh, strengthens the churches and he produces strong gospel basis, strong gospel basis in Acts 16, 6 through 19, 20. And so look at verses, chapter 19, verse 20. It says this. So mightily grew the word of God and prevailed. Gospel's expanding. Christ is building his church. The last panel goes from 1921 to 28, verse 31. The last verse in the book of Acts. And the gospel gets to Rome. Not in the way that Paul would have chosen it to happen, because he goes as a prisoner to Rome, but it gets to Rome through Paul being under house arrest. And in Acts chapter 28, verse 31, it says this. Paul and his house, under house arrest, verse 31, preaching the kingdom of God and teaching those things which concern the Lord Jesus Christ with all confidence, no man forbidding him. The gospel is marching on, even though Paul's under house arrest. So Christ is building his church. Acts gives us a window into that. You notice how many times it says the word of God grew. The word word prevailed, etc. What does that mean? Well, his word increasing means that as the number 
and the obedience of those who put themselves under the authority and surrender to King Jesus' saving reign increased. God's eternal purpose of connecting God to man and man to one another was being fulfilled for His glory. The question is, how does that happen? How does that happen? Well, I think in Paul's first missionary journey, in Acts chapter 13, we get a little window into that. We get a little window into that. So I'd like you to turn over to Acts chapter 13, Paul's missionary journey. I'm not going to read the whole chapter. I'm just going to give you an overview of it. In Acts 13, verses 1 through 5, um, the sending church in Antioch that Paul had labored at and showed himself faithful and been uh, a leader in that church is the key to Paul's missionary activity. The Holy Spirit delegates the authority of the church to send out Paul and Barnabas for a task that he had foreordained. And the fellow prophets and leaders of the church are made aware of this task in verses 1 through 5 after prayer and fasting, and the church sends them on their way. It's very important to understand this that the authority of the local church is the entity that affirms Paul's call. They affirm it. Paul can just say, I'm called to go and do this. God used the local church congregation to say, Yes, we believe that's true. As we see as you served here faithfully, as we see these gifts, etc. It was vital to the proper trajectory of the task, and it is to the Antioch church that Paul returns to and reports to when he's finished. It's not a Bible college degree. It's not a little warm feeling. It's the congregation, as they're in tune with God, and the leadership of the church saying, yes, that person is gifted for that. God is working their lives. God's using them. We're seeing fruit from their ministry. And we're going to send them out. In chapter 13, verses 6 through 12, well, verses 1 through 5, Paul goes to Antioch, Seleucia, Cyprus, and Salamis. Verses 6 through 12, Paul has a strategy. He contacts an audience. He communicates the gospel. He is in pioneering evangelism. That's important to know. Pioneering evangelism. And he, he reaches. He reaches people. It happens in 13 through 50. happens uh, in chapter 14 with Iconium. In chapter 14, 6 through 20 with Lystra. Where Paul probably makes contact with Timothy. And then I want you to see in chapter 14, what I read this morning, verses 21 through 28. Disciples are made in Derby, and Paul begins the trip back to report to Antioch. Now, what does he do on his way back in chapter 14, verse 21? Well, <clears throat> verse 22 says he confirms the souls of the disciples. That's the word strengthens. Sterizo strengthens. And exhorts them to continue in the faith that we must, through much tribulation, enter into the kingdom of God. So he strengthens the disciples. And then in verse 23, when they had ordained them elders, notice the plural, in every church. He doesn't say uh, an elder in each church. He says elders in every church. And had prayed with fasting. They commended them to the Lord. They handed them to the Lord on whom they believed. He passed on the responsibility. He doesn't cling on to it. He knows that in order to see growth, he's got to let some things go. And he entrusts these men. There's a pattern here that I want you to see here that is important. And I don't have time to develop this this morning, but it's important. Paul's strategy was to evangelize strategically. 
There are certain cities that he hits, certain cities that he doesn't hit. Certain places he goes to, intentionally, certain that he doesn't. I'm not saying he doesn't witness all along the way, but there are certain places he targets. He evangelized strategically. The second part of Paul's strategy was to establish the disciples. After he sees people come to Christ, he doesn't leave them hanging. He's not happy with just someone making a profession of faith. He wants to see them developed. He wants to see them edified, built up. He sees them established. And then, he doesn't just leave them to their own. He wants to see leaders over them to, uh, to, to shepherd them. Three basic elements. Which help us understand this. By the way, that's what he does in Ephesus, isn't it? He evangelizes. He sees converts made. And then he strengthens them in the faith. And then in Acts chapter 20, he builds an eldership to oversee those folks as he moves on. Because he knows if it's all dependent on one man, we're in big, we've got a big problem. And so, he, uh, he sets elders over them. That's why in 2 Timothy 2, 2, he tells Timothy, on, uh, virtually on his, on, on his deathbed, as Paul is headed to execution very soon, his last letter, Paul says, Timothy, the things that you heard of me, I want you to teach other men also. Who will be able to teach others? He wants faithful leadership. And so if you were to sum up the mission of the church, it's this. Jesus says, I will build my church. He does it through the power of the Holy Spirit as we live ordinary life with gospel intentionality. He also raises up people with special calls and tasks to see this in an overseeing sense. And here's what he does. If you see the pattern in the book of Acts, it's through evangelizing strategically. It is through establishing congregations. He wants to see people established in a church. See the discipleship happen in a church. There are wonderful parachurch organizations out there that are strong in evangelism and discipleship, but they have, many of them miss the fact that this is to be done in the context through the local church. He wants it to be done through the local church, so he establishes congregations. He doesn't just make disciples, he does it through the church, alright? And then he entrusts leaders. That's the mission of the church. That's why over and over, like in Titus and in Timothy, Paul ends in Titus chapter 1 verse 5 that we saw last week. Paul says, Titus, I want you to set things in order. The things that are lacking, I want you to fill in. And here's how you do it. And he starts off by saying, ordaining elders and lays out the qualifications for leadership. He's at that third phase there. He has already evangelized in Crete. He's already established them to a point. But now they need that third part and trusting leadership. And trusting leaders who will be able to, who are willing to die for the gospel, who know the gospel, are faithful in it, and are willing to die for it. That's what he does. That is the mission of the church. To evangelize strategically, to establish our congregations, to entrust leaders, and to see that process replicated. And we can rejoice in the fact that in our history, God has allowed us by His grace to be a part of planting churches, hasn't He? Calvary Warren, some of you had a part in that. That's fulfilling the Great Commission. That's part of it. That's making disciples. Planting the churches. There's other opportunities that are available. And uh, we rejoice with the, with the Bennetts here who, who are, who are uh, responding to God's call through their church in Tennessee to plant it, come all the way up here, a little Rockland, and plant a church. That's how we rejoice with, 
with, uh, with Brother Mark here, who is um, uh, going to work at helping revitalize Littlefield Memorial Church. Bring the vision back of, of reaching Rockland. This is exciting. And it's, it's, it's just as exciting to revitalize a church as it is to plant a church. And the, the mission of God and seeing uh, His church expand, to see those summary statements that we saw in the book of Acts over and over again is exhilarating to the heart of God. And so were the churches established in the faith and increased in number daily, etc. That practice in Acts confirms Jesus' words, doesn't it? In Matthew 16, that He would build His church. It shows that he builds his church by using leaders and faithful disciples to plant and establish churches so that they are beacons of light in their community through their good deeds. This is the work of the Great Commission. To not simply see individuals evangelized and edified, but to see the process of discipleship to continue of individuals through the vehicle that we saw in Ephesians 3, Verses 8 through 11, that God has chosen to display His glory in a magnificent reflection to the local church. And that is the mission of the church. To do the work of planting and establishing churches as we are faithful in our, in our witness according to the practice of the New Testament, so that communities are saturated with the gospel and the saints of these churches adorn the gospel through their word and deeds to the watching community to the glory of God. Do you get the vision of the book of Acts? It's not simply about telling people about Jesus. It's telling people about Jesus so this and this and this happens. Evangelizing, establishing, and entrusting to other leaders. There's a process here. It's fulfilled over and over again in Paul's strategy. And you see it Displayed in his pastoral epistles as well. Are you in? See, God didn't call you here to just sit in a pew and warm a seat. He didn't call you here to see a performance and be blessed so that you just take it in. He blesses people to be a blessing. He teaches us to teach others. So we're called to be a part of this. Through your gifts, through your personality... You, will, you don't necessarily have to be a leader in this, but if God's calling you to that, then don't say no. We all have a part to play in seeing the mission of God fulfilled through His local church, South Hope Community Church right here. Let's pray.